Cruz Mora, and my pronouns are he, him, his. Hi, everyone. My name is Madison Brown, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Hello, everyone. I'm Alexander Soutsias. Uh My pronouns are he, him, his. And today on By the Horns, Student Voices Are Heard, we'll be getting acquainted with Hook the Vote. Would you all like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, um, my name is Ainsley. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm one of the co-directors of Hook the Vote this year. Hi, my name is Neha. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm the other co-director for Hook the Vote this year. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here today. In the spirit of the first day of class, what is one class that you are excited to take this semester? Um, I'm super excited to take the American president. It's a gov credit. I'm a gov major. Um, so obviously I'm really interested in it. And as Hook the Vote, the name suggests I am interested in elections and voting. Yeah, I'm really excited to take uh, this class called Civil Liberties. And it's basically it's basically a constitutional interpretation class, but it's kind of interesting because it's tailored to a lot of the like the First Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment. So I'm really excited for that class. That sounds so cool. Good luck in the asynchronous class. I haven't had one of those yet. Yeah, I'm also excited to take a reacting class this semester. So reacting to some historical events with some historical role play it'll be fun engaging with history in that way with other people yeah i mean this year uh taking a couple classes that i'm interested in um one is uh from bill brands it's a history course from 1865 and above pretty interested about it because uh it's asynchronous it's my first asynchronous class but we seem to really be going in depth and it's it's less of just memorize this little tidbit or that other fact and more of let's really dive deep and explore what it means to be <laughs> an American, which is a bit of a difficult question. Um, but but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. That sounds so cool. I think I am most excited for my intermediate French course because I really enjoyed the first part of that class last semester. Yeah, so on today's episode, just a brief overview. Well, first just dive into a Q&A session where we'll be asking both of you uh, questions related to the current political climate, UT, and Hook the Vote as an agency. And then we'll open up a space for both of you to speak on anything uh, that you feel important or significant to share. And then we'll look into closing it out with some last minute questions and looking ahead. All right, so before we get into the Q&A section, I would just like to preface that we are all in separate locations and are recording via Zoom and our cell phones. For our first question, tell us about Hook the Vote as an agency. Yeah, thanks Madison for the introduction. So Hook the Vote is a nonpartisan civic engagement agency, and we basically aim to inspire students all throughout UT to be civically engaged at UT and outside of UT. So that involves a couple of different things. Um, As you guys know, most recently we had a huge election. So um, going out and voting and getting educated is a big part of civic engagement, but that's not the only thing. Uh, We also focus on advocacy. So we want to inspire students to advocate for what they believe in 
Um, and civic engagement also involves community service, getting involved within your community, and more things like that. So we just aim to get students out to vote, get students out to um, push what they believe in, and um, go forward that way. And we have an amazing team. We have 14 team members um, who all help Hook the Vote run really smoothly. Awesome. Um, Hook the Vote is such a vital part of student government. And so when we're thinking about that, how did COVID really affect Hook the Vote and in in how it approached initiatives last semester? Yeah, that's a really good question we get a lot. And the answer is it kind of affected everything, just kind of the catch-all, I guess. Basically, we were learning about the world of civic engagement alongside our team. We had to throw our team into not only the world of civic engagement, but also COVID and trying to learn the traditions of how to get students out to vote, but also trying to reinvent the wheel of how we can better serve students during coronavirus. It was really difficult, honestly, because students were everywhere. Each student had a different situation and we felt like we needed to be knowledgeable on how to tailor it to everyone's specific circumstance. Yeah. No, and from social media, I can tell y'all did an amazing job trying to deal with all of those difficulties during COVID and still accomplishing your initiatives. You kind of already touched on this, but last semester, Hook the Vote had a huge voting registration campaign to prepare for the election. What exactly was that like? Yeah, I mean, just bouncing off of what Ainsley said, um, we did have to start off with a lot of different virtual things. And if any of you guys have been on the UT campus, you know that voter registration, typically a lot of people are on Speedway and it's in person um, and people are yelling at people to register to vote. And it's very, it's very engaging <laughs> person to person. But because of um, COVID-19, we weren't able to um, do much of that. So we had to kind of shift the wheel, reinvent the wheel and start off with our um, own virtual campaigns. So we started off doing a couple different things virtually. We pushed off um, basic campaigns like how to get registered to vote and um, how to get registered to vote if you're off campus too, because that was a new situation that we didn't really have to deal with beforehand. Um, and we reached out to professors to see if we can go in and talk to them to talk to their students about registration. Um, just a lot of different things that were mostly available online. But um, we were able to do an in-person drive uh, to get students who aren't able to um, submit the form online or print it out for whatever reason. We had an in-person drive for a couple of hours the day before registration day. Um, and we were able to get a couple people registered to vote. We were also able to spread the word on other organizations' registration events. So it's kind of like a huge collab thing that <laughs> UT has because everyone is just trying to get everyone out to vote. It was, although it was kind of difficult to shift, it was still um, pretty successful, I think. That's great to hear. Um, and super significant that it was successful considering everything. So what was the student voter increase from years prior and what do you think allowed for and caused such an increase in this voter turnout? I think something that I like to touch on when I talk about increasing student voter turnout um, or just voter turnout in general is increased to accessibility. When we see increases in accessibility, you know, normally voter turnout increases as well. It's kind of a correlated, I guess, statistic there. 
Um, but for our campus specifically, in 2018, we found a 54.8% voting rate after the addition of our second polling location at the PCO. So if you can recall, or if you were on campus at that time, we only had one location prior um, at the FAC. So now we have two. So that's a 37.3 increase from 2014 in voting turnout, which is super, super exciting and seems to be directly correlated to having a second polling location. Additionally, our 2018 voting turnout rate is 15.7% higher than the average voting rate of colleges nationwide. Um, so clearly, UT students are very civically, civically engaged and uh, want to get involved with their community. And increasing accessibility leads to better voter turnout. But we do have one number from 2020, which is super exciting, that Travis County's registration rate uh, is at 97%, which was super, super exciting and really proves that people wanted to get out this election. Yeah, that is so amazing that the voting turnout rate continues to increase each year, not only among UT students, but as you just said, in Travis County. I'm wondering, though, because of COVID and how everyone was remote, a lot of people were remote and in different locations, how did Hook the Vote approach the debate regarding the validity of mail-in votes during the last election? So this question is really important considering that students students during the election cycle were everywhere. They were either back home, they may be on campus, maybe they were home and then they went back to campus. So it really, they had a lot of different circumstances and situations. So we basically approach it by just making sure that students were aware of all of their options. Um, and that includes both mail-in and in-person, which we believe are both two valid options. Um, because in a sense, Sometimes mail-in is easier for them. Sometimes they can only do mail-in and sometimes in-person is easier for them. And it honestly just depends on where they're at, um, what's better for them at that moment. So we just pushed it by putting equal social media posts out on both mail-in ballots and in-person voting. So students could be aware of their choices and they could make that decision um, due to whatever's best for them. Thank you for um, addressing that question. I know that's something everyone kind of wants to be aware of. But um, one of your aims as an agency is to foster civil discourse on campus. What does that look like and why is that so important to do as student leaders? For sure. I think last semester we were really focused on educating students on the ballot, registering students, and ultimately getting students out to vote. This semester, we're really focused on advocacy and how we can lift marginalized voices in our communities um, and learning about their role in the civic society. It's really important that we connect to our neighbors because we're more likely to have a healthy community. And I think students across campus have different things that they're really passionate about. Um, and that's a goal this semester is to put out social media uh, infographics on how to start that advocacy push. Yeah, totally. And along the lines of fostering a healthy community, how does Hook the Boat remain and sustain being a nonpartisan agency amongst a hyperpolarized society? Yeah, for sure. So all of our information is meant to be accessible to all students. And we basically approach that by focusing not really on like policy or like 
um, government or anything. We just approach it based on the lens of civic engagement, which is a nonpartisan lens in general. So we just kind of want all of our students to be civically engaged, regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of what they believe in, um, because civic engagement can happen no matter where you are or what you're doing. So we just made sure to put a double lens on all of our information and make sure that we're giving out uh, proper information to all of our students that can apply to students of all different political beliefs. So everyone can use it and benefit from it. In the end, ultimately, it is our duty to cater to all of our students. So just pushing out all of that right information and making sure that it's accessible to all students was really, really important to us. Awesome, yeah. Um, in a similar vein, how can UT remain civically engaged post-election season? Absolutely. Um, you know, we like to talk a lot about with our team that civic engagement is a lot more than political stuff, um, a lot more than voting. Um, it can include volunteering, engaging with groups in your community, specifically keeping up with topics that you're passionate about. Um, a great way to do that and keep up with your community and your local politics, I suppose, is paying attention to the Texas legislature for um, Texas UT students specifically. That's great because our Texas House representatives and our Texas Senate representatives are really supposed to be plugged into what we care about and following some of that legislation will help keep you informed and up to date on what's going on in our society. That's great. And what are some educational or re resourceful tools that would be best for students to use or look into when approaching legislative advocacy? Mm, I love that question, Madison, because legislative advocacy is something that everyone can do. And a lot of students think you have to have certain skills or experiences, but honestly, everyone can do it and anyone can do it. Um, it if you want to start off, let's take the example of the 87th legislative session that's happening in Texas right now. Um, that's a really great place for students to start. And Texas is um, where you live and state laws can affect a lot of different things. So uh, a first good step is maybe going to your representative's websites and calling your representative and seeing what they are putting on the table, what potential legislation they're putting on the table to offer you. Um, and you can also browse at many other representatives' bills. Um, there's different bill finder tools in each state. Um, in the United States, there's bill finder tools and you could search um, anything, any term that you're interested in or passionate about and you could probably find a whole um, list of bills that are out there um, that are going to be filed that may be considered for the next session. So that's a really good step, a really good start to see what kind of bills or what kind of legislation you want to look into. Um, but the next step could be pushing it forward. So that means calling the people who are on the committee um, who get to say if the bill gets to be heard on the floor, for example. Or you could call your own representative, and that's a really good start. Um, and if you want to take it a step further, there's a lot of different advocacy groups that you could look into. And for example, the Texas Civil Rights Project is one group, and a lot of these groups have a lot of volunteering opportunities. So if you just find some groups that you're passionate about with a quick Google search in Texas, you could definitely volunteer for something. And if you even want to take it a step further, you could intern there. 
So there's a lot of different opportunity for UT students to look into when approaching legislative advocacy, and it kind of depends on how much they want to put in and um, I guess how much they want to do each day. So there's definitely a lot out there, um, and it's really exciting to look into. What is Hook the Vote currently focused on doing post-election season, and are there any initiatives that you will be continuously or actively working on this semester? Absolutely. Kind of like we touched on earlier, civic engagement is just not, is not just voting. And we are still kind of in the planning stages so that we can fully maximize the rest of the time that we have as help the vote before the new administration gets transitioned in. Um, but some things that our team is really passionate about is undocumented students and international students learning more about their stories, learning about how they fit into our civic society and how we can better support them, especially in regards to civic engagement. Gerrymandering, that's something that's super big. Uh, or Redistricting is a more common term. Redistricting, how are we going to do redistricting? How are our representatives looking at that? And kind of moving into a bigger picture there, keeping up with the session in general. Um, the budget is really big this session, and it's really important for students to be aware of where their money is going and be cognizant of other awesome initiatives that are happening in the session. No, that's amazing. And I know y'all are going to do amazing things and accomplish a lot of initiative for the semester. Um, if a student is interested in joining Hook the Vote, how exactly can they go about that? And can you reiterate what exactly is the inspiration behind Hook the Vote as an agency? Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about the first question. Um, so in the spring, there's going to be director applications out. So that's kind of what me and Ainsley do right now. And everyone is welcome to apply for that. And then in the fall, there's more general student government applications. So if you want to be a part of our team, but you don't want to be a director, you can definitely apply for that. Um, and then you can always follow student government, follow Hook the Vote, and DM us on social media to keep up to date. Um, we're very responsive, so any questions, any comments, we, we would love to hear from you all. So the inspiration behind Hook the Vote, it was founded by Representative James Tellerico, and he's a state rep in Round Rock right now. So he was a student at UT, and he actually founded it in 2003. And it's basically aimed to inform and empower students to become civically engaged through student government. So that was kind of the lens that he took when he decided to start Hook the Vote. Um, so this way we can kind of advocate for students, but through student government in the field of civic engagement, if that makes sense. Great guys. For our next segment, we're gonna move into the open forum and give the Hook the Vote co-directors some time to talk about anything they want, anything they want us to know. Take it away. Yeah, um, something that Neha and I worked really hard on this semester um, and was really passionate about was um, polling location protection. I think that's something that a lot of students didn't really think about um, until it was all over social media. For a long time, a lot of people were concerned about that. Um, something that Neha and I 
were super passionate about um, was our really big project on protecting and defending our polling locations on campus. Um, Polling locations, kind of like I mentioned earlier, are really a pillar of student civic engagement or really any community civic engagement. Um, And it really does increase student voter turnout. Um, So we were a little bit concerned that we might not have uh, polling locations because of shutdowns. Uh, This was back in the summer. We were really concerned, you know, we weren't sure of UT's plan yet, if they were going to come back, you know, and if we weren't going to come back, were we ever going to be able to get those polling locations again um, when we were in person? Um, Thankfully, there were some um, in-person classes, so there seemed to be some movement for the university to let us back on campus um so we got right to work and Neha and I worked really hard on um talking to the different parties which I'll let her kind of get into so what Ainsley mentioned was a really big project that we worked on in the beginning of the semester um but actually right after that project was when we realized that we were going to need a lot more poll workers because we saw that a lot of older individuals who used to work the polls were backing out now due to health concerns. So we started to see that a lot of students were needed um, to fill in their place. And that's when we realized that a big barrier was that students couldn't commit to the full day um, because we have classes and we have other obligations. So it's kind of hard for us to um, commit to a seven to eight o'clock shift all day. So that's when we called the county and we tried to see what we could do to help. Um, Since we had a lot of willing and able students who were able to work the polls, but they just didn't have the time to do a full day. And we worked it out with the county to confirm that um, we were allowed to schedule shifts for the students. And if we just give them the names and if we coordinate with the students, we could um, essentially have student poll workers. So what we did was we sent out the schedule to some students Um, We coordinated with the county, and then once we were kind of set to go, we were able to put a few of our students in the FAC location, in the PCL location, and also the Hillel location. So after that, we were able to... Um, We took really similar steps, like Neha just spoke about, with the poll workers to make sure that our polling locations stayed open. Um... So we talked to the county. We were a little bit nervous that UT might not agree. The uh, county was actually really on board with it. Um, We ended up emailing building managers of the FAC and the PCL to see if we could work with them. Um, We talked with the student body vice president Winston so that he could brief the people that he meets with regularly to talk about COVID concerns. Um, I met with Dr. Jones with UHD multiple times over the summer and the semester um, because he was really passionate about making sure that our polling locations were open, that registration forms were in the dorms, since that was another problem, that there was not really a big 
moving. Um, and that's where a lot of freshmen used to get registered to vote. I registered to vote at Newbin. Um, but Dr. Jones was great at helping us get students registered by putting it in UHD buildings. Um, but he was also passionate about the polling locations. Um, so after all of this, you know, advocacy work, Neha and I wrote up a plan to defend our polling locations. Um, we included things like CDC guidelines and statements on how we can have safe and effective polling locations, why we needed polling locations on campus. Um, for example, sidewalks, something so simple as sidewalks. Um, when people have clear and distinct sidewalks to and from a polling location, they're much more likely to vote um, just because it's so much easier. Um, similarly, we were talk we were bouncing around the idea of how for students that did choose to come back to Austin, it would be safer for students to, you know, vote in our area instead of taking a bus and risking getting COVID on the bus, spreading COVID on the bus. Um, what else? Taking COVID to a no location, getting location, getting COVID from a different location and bringing it back here. Um, so having polling locations on campus would reduce our um, foot traffic around the city. Um, so that with a grant from the Poll Defenders, um, Poll Defenders is sponsored by Plus One the Polls and MTV. Um, they give us an, a gracious grant. We were able to invest in, you know, PPE and other things to support our polling locations. Uh, we called the county multiple times. Uh, we got back. We found out that it was approved. And um, it was a really powerful project, I think, for us because it really proved that we were able to represent students um you know to the county to admin um yeah i don't know do you have anything to add now yeah um for sure so i guess like ainsley talked about the polling locations i talked about the poll workers um those are two really really big projects for us but looking forward we have a really cool project that we're thinking of um, so as everyone, as we mentioned, um, the Texas legislative session is happening. And basically, we really want to focus on two different issues that have been proposed um, the past couple of years, but have never passed. And it all revolves around accessibility to vote for students. So the first one is we want to advocate for allowing student IDs to be used as a valid form of a voter ID. Um, this way, students are able to use um, their form of ID. I mean, it's something we're all issued as students. It's something we all have. And a lot of people don't have the privilege or the money to be able to afford a government-issued ID. So that's something that we're working on advocating for. And another thing that doesn't necessarily impact UT students, but this more along the lines impacts other Texas colleges. Um, we want to focus on making sure that large Texas colleges have at least one polling location because 
a ton of Texas colleges with over 10,000 students don't even have one. And that's like the size of a small city. So that's something that we think is really important to improve accessibility and to remove the barriers to voting that students have to face. Um, so that's something we're looking forward to. We've met with a couple of representatives in December and we're just waiting on seeing who are the committee members for the election committee so we can um, call them and focus on advocating for those topics. Um, yeah, do you have anything else to add, Ainsley? No, that was a great summation of all of the product, uh, all of the projects that we've worked on this semester. Um, so yeah, thanks for the the time to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Actually, can I quickly like just shout out our team? Like, is that okay if I just like shout out like the names? Of okay, awesome. okay, cool. Um, yeah, I just want to shout out all of our team. I mean, me and Ainsley could not have done anything without them. Um, they were such a big asset to us and we're honestly like we became like best friends so fast so it was it was a really fun time with them um they got thrown into it in the middle of voter registration so we had to onboard them and then we gave them projects that same week and it was so hectic for them i don't know how they did it but um we are not alive i'm just gonna shut them out really quickly amanda aminat gabrielle hamad hannah joseph libby matthew maya Natalie, Patrick, and Sahar. Thank you guys so much for everything you did this semester. And we're really looking forward to this next semester with our team, um, with the rest of the UT students. So thank you for giving us this time to talk. We love you. Yeah, thank you all so much for um, using this space to um, talk about Hook the Vote. Thank you guys so much for participating in the open forum section. Um, Before we close out, we're going to have Alex ask you guys a few questions. Alex is here with us as a member of the Longhorn Legislative Agency within student government. He will be helping us with our podcast for the rest of the semester. So Alex, if you can introduce yourself again and then ask a few questions to our co-host. Hi, also. I'm Alex. I'm a member of the Longhorn Legislative Aid, um, which is Madison uh, uh, previously mentioned is an agency within student government. And we're essentially freshmen that are tasked with uh, assisting representatives within student government. So if there's uh, a bill that they might need help uh, writing, we're sort of there to uh, help them collect research um, and all of that good stuff. Um, but I did have one or two questions that I did want to ask, uh, y'all and the first one. So last semester I was, uh, uh, quick shout out to Theriot and professor Albertson. I took their 312L, uh, <laughs> government course. And one of the things that, that we had sort of looked over, uh, uh, data especially was that. Uh, there are certain race groups that that don't typically come out to vote um, as often as others. And, and, you know, kind of what I wanted to ask you all was, you know, how did you manage to target, you know, register and prompt uh, those kinds of voter groups that statistically aren't as active to come out and participate, participate uh, in the most recent election? 
Yeah, for sure. That's a great question, Alex. And I like how you mentioned um, Albertson and Theriot's class. I also took them my freshman year, so it's really funny that you mentioned that. Um, but a lot of the things that we did and a lot of things that we focused on is more along the lines of accessibility. So we believe that a lot of times, a lot of these people who don't statistically show up as regularly, it's just a matter of accessibility to information and barriers to access, like barriers to voting, um, just how accessible the whole process is in general. So one of the first things we did, since we focused on students specifically, is flyering at buildings um, in certain majors that didn't necessarily come out to vote as much as, for example, the College of Liberal Arts. So we went to um, the EER, um, we went to the CNS buildings, uh, we went to a lot of buildings like that and just flyered a lot of different things informing students on how to register to vote and how to actually go out and vote. Um, so we did a lot of that and then on top of that we flyered West Campus because um, a lot of students in West Campus it's a little harder to vote because it's a little further away and it's not as easily accessible. So that's a couple of things we did for students itself um, in terms of like major and um, those statistical groups. Uh, but another thing that we did to target groups of people that don't typically come out, um, we created an excused absence template. So we basically helped um, with the help of other people. We wrote up a template where students could use it to send it to their professors because we do understand that a lot of times these people don't come out to vote because they have classes and they have jobs and you don't have the time. Like sometimes like their schedule is packed back to back and there's physically no time to go and vote. So a big thing that was important to us was just making that more accessible. And if they can't take off of work, which is um, kind of unreasonable for us to ask someone to do, um, we would want them to take off from a class if possible. So we created that template and we sent it out to students um, and we published it everywhere in the hopes that these students who statistically didn't come out would be able to come out now because we've improved that accessibility aspect of it. So that's just a couple of things we did um, this semester to help out in that area. Right. Okay. Um, and then I did have one other question. And so I guess that one was, was sort of, you know, looking back at, at the last election, but um, moving forward, and I know that, you know, things could uh, potentially change within, you know, the leadership of, of Hook the Vote, but um I was looking at y'all's website and noticed your uh, marketing strategy, you know, a lot of the different uh, tools that you guys tried to do to, um, you know, prompt people to vote, to help register them. But I kind of wanted to ask, you know, how would your marketing strategy change, you know, if at all for the upcoming midterm election, especially since um, there's typically much less voter turnout than, uh, uh, than in regular uh, general elections? Yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, so yeah, you hit it right on the nail. We won't uh, be hooked vote co-directors for the midterms in 2022. Um, but we would recommend for um, you know, future co's, anyone listening, um, more information on candidates because again, there's much less voter turnout and perhaps if students have access to that information, um, that might encourage them to go out to vote. So yeah, it's all an accessibility game, um, flyering, um, and bringing the same energy that you brought to general election um, 
two midterms will help students realize that it's uh, equally as important. So, great question. Thank you, Suits, for asking those questions and for the both of you co-directors of Hook the Vote for being here tonight, um, part of the podcast and answering all these questions and informing us about what your agency does. Um, I just, before we wrap up everything, I did just want to leave one last space. If you have any closing remarks or anything else you would like to say, if not, totally okay, but just wanted to give you that space. Um, thanks for having us tonight. I've uh, really had fun and really appreciated getting to talk about Hook the Vote. It's one of my favorite things. And um, thanks to the audience for listening. Yeah, I echo everything Ainsley said. Thanks for having us, guys. No problem. Sure. And thanks to the two of y'all for all of your hard work and Hook the Vote agency's hard work. Y'all do an amazing job.